Welcome to the PapaCast. Interviews in the world of sports. Now here's your host, Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of the PapaCast as we get you set for the Final Four in Houston. And what a matchup we have. You'll see it on TBS. And once again, behind the mic, the one, the only, Billy Raftery. Raft, how you doing, buddy? You know, our grandchildren call me Papa, so I think of you quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Raph, how many do you have now? Five. Five grandkids. Chrissy's got three. Susie's got two. So, and two single. There you go. uh, Yeah, we're hanging tough. I'm glad to hear your family off air is doing great. Good for you. Everyone's doing great. Speaking of five, that leads us right into basketball because – Boy, we have we have some incredible matchups, and you can see it on TBS. If you're on Twitter, go to at March Madness TV. And Billy Rafter will be behind the mic with Jim Nance and Grant Hill, and we'll start with this Villanova team, Raf. And and you know, here's a team that got you know beaten in the Big East tournament, and sometimes you know you wonder going in, are they shaky, lack of confidence, and Jay Wright talked about how that was something that they turned into a positive, and they've played beautiful basketball so far. Yeah, they have. Well, I think hanging on their shoulders and in their mind all year was retribution. Uh, uh, not, not so much a revenge thing, but just everybody asking them why they couldn't get through the first weekend uh, since 2009. So uh, they, they uh, responded beautifully, I thought. You know, they had runs during the year. Nobody was going to run away from anybody this year. There's so many good teams. But they, they are a solid group in a sense of teamwork and uh, unselfishness. Uh, you know, all year long, everybody, including me, worried, the worry for them was size. And uh, Jay, you know, just brought a couple of kids along that I think really – complimented the others, uh, you know, being Reynolds and Bridges, two, two kids who've gotten a lot more time as the years progressed, which takes the pressure off uh, Oshefu because occasionally he'll get a foul or he's playing too long or uh, he has been nicked up quite a bit this year, which was a blessing in disguise. But as you know, getting hot and playing well at the, at the right time of year has become essential. And I think kids overcome losses, even uh, – even rubouts, uh, you know, it's almost like the NBA mentality now that they're much better able to put it behind them and, and concentrate on the now and the future, and I think that's what they've been able to do. You know, at the end of the game, you know, they had to make a play, and I know you commented on it during the telecast, and, and I remember watching it, and you think about so many of these games come down to free throw shooting, game awareness, everything that you need to have in that recipe to make sure you can close out a game. And they executed the inbound as well as you could possibly draw it up. And I know that's something that really caught your eye. Well, there was a, two of them that were key, I think, on the inbounds. And I think both times, Archie Diakono was able to get free uh, when it, it looked futile. And then what's interesting on inbounds late in games, the, the inbound passer – uh, if he passes up one free man, that, that might be it in terms of a violation or a bad pass. So, uh, you know, the deep look on it uh, was another one that they had. Uh, so, you know, the preparation, I guess, you know, we watch these guys at the end of practice doing a lot of things like this. And at the time, not that they look meaningless, but, 
you know, you wonder if they're going to be able to use that situation. And then they did against a really overly aggressive defense that was sort of champing at the bid and stepping out and gambling a little bit more. What does this say, Billy, about the fact that, you know, the Big East has undergone a, a dramatic change with, uh, and I'll never forget when we were, when we were working with the Nets and this has to be going back 13, 14, 15 years. I remember one of those nights that we were out at dinner and you said, football is going to change the landscape. And, and it certainly has definitely changed the landscape with the conferences and all the moving around and stuff like that. But w- what does this say about Villanova and being able to do this with this new look Big East and how important it is for that conference to have them do what they've done? Well, if Notre Dame had one, they would have had three Big East connections there and not necessarily current. But uh, I-, I think when the football came about, uh, I guess the difference between the Big East today and in 79 when it started uh, was they got a bushel full of money. Uh, you know, they were able to sustain some things and have a base uh, in, in terms of a future. And it, it, it's a kind of a league where basketball is important to the kids that they recruit. You know, not a lot of kids are getting up in the morning in any of these cities saying, gee, how did Alabama do today uh, in football? It's, it's, it's really a basketball-driven, and the philosophy, I think, is the same with the kind of kids that go there. Uh, I think they initially took the hit, the step back, and uh, it, I think every year it's going to be a, a situation where uh, the power conferences, in terms of media recognition, is going to try to overpower this basketball conference. Uh, but they've proven they have legs. You know, they've proven that uh, their their philosophy to do well in basketball at these institutions prevails. And just think about it. They did something this year without a team from New York doing well, Chicago doing well, and Washington doing well. And that speaks, I think, volumes for the kind of competition. And, uh, you know, Villanova, and I, you know, to me, I look at the whole country just like the NCAA committee does. I don't look at the league. I look at the teams. And I think a lot of their teams stack up with other teams. So on any given year, we know the ACC is deep and powerful, uh, and they would this year you know, take the nod as the toughest league. But I think there are teams in this league that could play in any league, and I think that's could be said for most conferences. So we have two, uh, two seeds, Villanova and Oklahoma, playing in the first game on TBS on Saturday at 6.09. Where, where do you see... Oklahoma giving Villanova some fits and vice versa? Well, I had the first game out in Honolulu. In fact, I left the, some apparel there in case <laughs> they invite me back, you know. But uh, it, it, it's uh, that particular game, Villanova really relied on the threes. And I, I'm not sure the number. It was three and 34 or four and 30, one of those numbers. And they didn't have a middle game. And they really didn't go inside, and Reynolds and Bridges weren't ready for, as they were as the year progressed. Uh, I, I think the other end of it was Buddy Heel was like you know, just amazing with his distance and how they started banging threes down. Now, add the dilemma for Villanova then, their defense wasn't as sophisticated, and they weren't as mentally tough as they are now. Uh, now, what does that say about this game? I think Oklahoma is on top of their game, so I, I think this could be one of the terrific, you know, final four games when you say all time, but you know, current times, anyhow. So I, I, I think this is like a draw. This game. 
Yeah, that's so good. you might have somebody step up a little that maybe hasn't been a scorer or dominant defensively. Uh, that that's going to ring the bell and make you know I'm thinking of Cousins at the guard. We know Heel can do some things. The uh, Jordan Woodard's another kid. They're not afraid to make big shots either. So it's not only Heel, but I think the growth of Villanova is something that we'll witness during this game. Yeah, it's really uh, it's been it's been fun to watch both of these teams and the way Oklahoma dealt with Oregon and all their athleticism was was really fun to watch. So that that's the first game on tap on Saturday on TBS, and then uh, you got the number one Tar Heels of North Carolina taking on Syracuse, the tenth seed. And and Raph, we got to go back to this Syracuse win on Sunday uh, and just. Really was incredible to watch the way they kind of stuck with what they did. They never seemed to get flustered in that game as, as they battled and battled and battled against Virginia. And I guess that's sort of a characteristic of a Bayheim team. Yeah, you know it's it's amazing. Uh, it, it, this team is, uh, I guess, resilience the best word. You know that particular game. Uh, you know we pressed uh, and they didn't finish the press. Uh, actually, they didn't finish off against the press, Virginia. I think there was only one turnover at a certain point against the press, but they just didn't complete the deal. And uh, I think you just get tighter if you're a team that this team doesn't give up leads, Virginia, either. That, that's what's amazing. Uh, I thought the game was over, as did most people, and I'm sure their kids did. Uh, but, you know, Syracuse over the years has been able to extend the floor, they've always had playmakers. And they, one thing about the Heimer, uh, you know, he may not be charming, but he lets them play loose. And when you have guards like Cooney and Obinijay uh, that can do so much damage, and the Leiden kid is going to be a big-time player. Roberson's a great offensive rebound. They have some people, and I didn't even mention Richardson, uh, who's just a terrific deep shooter. You know, everybody wanted him, and McDonald's All-American. Uh, so they are a very good basketball team. And then the puzzle of the zone, uh, that they move it out, they try and take away threes, uh, you know, they're, they're long. I forget, I think Leiden had four or five block shots. Uh, so, you know, this is a formidable team that uh, is a seasoned team, and uh, they're a puzzle, I think. The biggest thing is defensively for people. Yeah, and they and they stay true. I mean, they, they, they'll put the press on you, but they stay true to that zone. And why is it that, I mean, he's he's been running it, people have seen it, what is it about it that makes it so difficult to deal with? I think it used to be length. Uh, now I think it's his philosophy that, you know, get up on the good three-point shooter. He doesn't believe kids can make it. He's never said this, but he doesn't believe there's enough three-point shooters on the other team, and generally he's right. Uh, so they're, they're a very good rebounding team out of it. Uh, they, the wings generally are large and extend. And what they do best, I think, is if you if you do something well, and this will be interesting with Carolina, if you get the ball to certain spots against them, they really work uh, to make you adjust now. And most teams don't. Uh, when I say they don't, they can't. Uh, you know, all of a sudden what's was working well is taken away. Now what do we go to? And I think teams that do beat them have a variety of spots that they attack the zone. Uh, but there, the difficulty is, is you know, they, they're good at adjusting. And, and again, this is another, like, goofy statement. They're always facing out. And you say, well, that's pretty dumb. 
but that's why they run out so well. Uh, they 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 have this ability to the, the two top guys are so far out. They're ready to go if there's a block shot or you know a little bad shot rebound, and that that's what they rely on. I think. So now we have North Carolina. That uh, look, I thought. Mike Bray, the head coach at Notre Dame, did a masterful job of coming up with a plan to keep his team in that basketball game and really challenge North Carolina, slowing the pace down to the game. But the Tar Heels are just so deep, and and you talked about guys that can hit threes or guys that can get to that middle, to that free throw line, and then do damage. So it it feels like Carolina, because of just the, the depth and the talent that they have, might have answers that maybe some of these other teams just don't have against that Syracuse zone. Well, I, I think the key guy is Marcus Page. You know, when he when he makes shots and plays well, because Burry's had a really good year, uh, but Marcus Page is the guy. I mean, he, he's sort of the leader. Uh, he, he makes plays. You know, even in his shooting slump, he was undeterred. And I had him a couple of weeks ago when he was struggling. And games before that, he just he just wasn't sticking the shot. Uh, but now he's back, and we know all about their size. I mean, they're overwhelming. Uh, you know, they and, and there's I think Kansas and and they push the ball up, and maybe Michigan State better than most teams. You know, on makes or misses, they're going to push it, and, and I think they'll try and beat the Q zone down as much as they can. And even if they don't get an early shot, you know, they'll have the ball in vulnerable spots against the zone. But I think Page is the one guy, if he's making shots, they all seem to just grow, you know, by virtue of what he's able to do. And you're right, they're deep. Justin Jackson comes off the bench, big-time shooter. You know, well, I think we'll all see him at some point in the NBA because of that factor. And the size is over. They're a good offensive rebounding team. They're uh, good passing bigs, so they do a lot of high-low. And you'll see the ball get to the foul line a lot against this zone and they'll either make a play or drive it from up there. It doesn't matter which guy. Ideally for them, it's Bryce Johnson doing that. So, obviously, these four coaches, you don't get to where you are without having tremendous success, being able to manage situations, being able to coach late-game situations, having your team prepared. But, Raph, unlike pro sports where – you know, you have veterans, you have real veteran leadership, and you have guys that maybe have been there for 10 years. You look at football and, you know, Belichick knows he can rely on Brady to make the right decision or Michael Jordan in his heyday and, and the Bulls and Pippen. They were going to execute what they had to do. As a coach, from a coaching standpoint, you're still dealing with student athletes and they're still kids. And as much as you can have them prepared, what are some of the things that are necessary, maybe before the game or early in the game, that the coaches need to do to sort of keep everything on an even keel so that there is poise under pressure as you get deeper into the game? By the way, would you forget about Eli Manning? I mean, yeah, all of a sudden, I, I, you're I, not a, I you don't do no. the Giants anymore? <laughs> I didn't forget uh, about Eli Manning. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a couple trophies uh, in the lobby. Had pretty, uh, Ian Coughlin had a pretty good connection, a couple of Super Bowls, but... Uh, so I think this, doing the same thing sort of resonates with me, having gone to these and been involved in them for a number of years. Uh, be yourself as a coach. Uh, don't change anything you do. Now, when I say that, there'll be a wrinkle or two where they might trap or they might do some things 
you know, matchup-wise that when Syracuse played Carolina the last time they didn't use. But I, I think the one thing is the trust you have with your your backcourt mainly, or leader, but I, usually it's the point guard who uh, dispenses knowledge or your extension. And, and I, I do think just being consistent and then, you know, reacting to the flow of the game and as you do make adjustments. Uh, I, I think guys that win and, you know, you haven't done so many uh, NBA games. You know, the last two minutes of games, we've seen guys do some things that have helped their team win. And, and to get here, they've done that before. Uh, so I think communication skills are of, of uh, the utmost importance. And, and that means in the huddle, uh, you know, the, the huddles are two, what, two, two thirty, I think. And most guys don't go in till about a minute. And, and what you do then is your, you know, the vocabulary that you've used, uh, succinct in your remarks, uh, relaxed, uh, you know, just positive. I think you see more positive uh, coming down the stretch of these games now because you've been down the road so much. You know, you're talking about 34 games for each team, roughly 35. Uh, so they know you. They can read you. Uh, so you have to just be, be yourself. And, 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 again, the word trust comes into mind. You know, Raph, uh, just in wrapping up, I was thinking as, as I was watching the game and you, and you were on the call the other night and the way Villanova executed the inbound, they got the ball in and, and did it flawlessly. I, I think about all those Nets games that we were at over the years. Remember that, remember that dastardly stretch that they had, even with different head coaches, where they were in those games and they could never get the ball inbound at the right time late in the game? Right. Didn't feel like didn't right feel even, you know. Didn't yeah. feel like every every year we were in Portland and the Nets were in a situation where they had like a two point lead with twenty six seconds to go and it was a failed inbound and they'd wound up losing like some heartbreaker to start a West Coast trip. Right, exactly, and and you know you add on a great point: uh, inbound and fouling somebody and not making the free throws, and that's what Villanova did. I think they missed one of the nine coming down the stretch, uh, and even Reynolds made the two. Uh, so I, I think it, it, it's amazing at this time of year, you don't know who's going to step up, and you don't know who the guy is that's going to make a big play for you. So, you know, that's why you demand practice all year, that they pay attention and they work hard. Hopefully at some point they get a chance to contribute. Final question. We're talking with Bill Raftery. You'll see him on TBS. Uh, Final Four from Houston Saturday. First game, Villanova, Oklahoma, 6.09 p.m. North Carolina, Syracuse, 8.49 p.m. Uh, Billy Raft, for so many years, you and Vern Lundquist, spectacular team. We talked. We had Jim Spinarkel on the show last week. He's now working with Vern. What's it like to work the Final Four? you got Jim Nance there. You've got Grant Hill there. It's got to be a fun ride for you. Well, you know, when the Giants got to the Super Bowl, uh, I think you could relate to that. You know, you've been in playoff games, and uh, there's a certain level of excitement for everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that uh, I was fortunate to have done the radio for quite a while uh, at the Final Four, so I knew what not to do. And you probably the second Super Bowl didn't do things you may have done in the first. You didn't waste your time at certain functions that you felt you should the first time. So you eliminate a lot of distractions, much like the coaches try and do with their teams and uh, concentrate on the games. But 
you know, I've been blessed to work with a lot of people, including yourself, and everybody is a consummate pro and does their job. And I think the concept of team comes in, uh, which makes it thrilling for anybody that does television or radio, uh, that, that everybody's vital. And, uh, you know, you, your function is is essential, but no more important than anybody else's. So we've got on the air two great guys. And, uh, you know, Jim's having a ball, so therefore Grant and I are having a great time. And, uh, you know, we look forward to being together on and off the floor. And, uh, you know, socially, I, I have a tough time, you know, leaving the party early, but, you know, I try and get those guys home at the correct hour. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Raph, you're the best. You know what? You make it fun for the viewer at home and for the listener, and you've been doing it for a really long time at a high level, and I can honestly say that when you think about the phrase, good things happen to good people, your picture would be right next to that phrase because for as good as you are on the air, for those people that have never had a chance to meet you, I've been fortunate enough to travel with you, it it doesn't get any better than Billy Raff. Oh, it's nice you, Bobby. Thank you. Likewise, too, with you. And good luck you know, with you and your family. And uh, look, I'll, I'll see you on the golf course someplace. Looking forward to it. And uh, you can watch them on TBS. It's the Final Four from Houston, Texas. Saturday, Villanova, Oklahoma. And then North Carolina and Syracuse. Follow it on Twitter, at March Madness. Billy Raftery joining us on this edition of the Papa Cast.